This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. Last night showed everybody that nowhere in college basketball has it better than we do. Four teams in the same state playing high-level ball, meaningful ball, attracting the national spotlight, two high-level games. I was at the Joel, but we have to start with NC State, I think. That was the height of NC State stuff. NC State bleep. I don't remember it being any worse than Pac fans than it is today. For God's sake, they spotted... North Carolina spotted NC State 10 points. They were spotted 10. Yet they're trailing at halftime. They were given another shot. Up 52-45. Still didn't learn their lesson. They cut it to three. Final two and a half of the game. After trailing by double digits. North Carolina, they blow leads against everybody. Blew it against Duke. Blew it against BC. Blew it against Clemson. Blew it against Pittsburgh. They blow it against everybody. Not NC State. We suck. Not NC State. Roy Williams, 37-4 and as the head coach of the Tar Heels against NC State. The record's ridiculous when you date back his days as an assistant for Dean Smith. Here's the crazy part about it, though. NC State did exactly what it wanted in this game. They turned North Carolina over. Kevin Keats, he likes being aggressive. He was. 15 turnovers for the Heels. That's more than what NC State accrued. North Carolina only had 10 assists in the game. NC State had more than that. They shut down the three-point line. The Tar Heels were just 3 of 16 from 3. That's 18%. And they didn't allow easy buckets at the rim. That's why Garrison Brooks went to the line so much. Clearly, Kevin Keats said, this guy can't hit free throws. And also, he's coming off an illness that forced him to miss the Louisville game. If he catches it inside, hack him. We'll put somebody else in the game. Hack Garrison Brooks. Send him to the line. Surely, he's not going to beat us. He goes for 30, Robert. 30. 14 of 16 from the foul line. NC State, (laughs) they had the game plan. If you're in it, North Carolina's going to blow it, except when they play the Wolfpack. Garrison Brooks, if he's at the line, surely he's not going to beat us. Surely he's not going to hit the free throws. He does. (laughs) Against NC State. It doesn't get any worse than this. If you can bring me an example of NC State stuff, being worse than it is right now, I'd love to hear it. 336-777-1600 on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. The details make this a lot worse. The first game, NC State loses at home. Cole Anthony didn't even play in that game. This game, NC State fans are everywhere. It's not a good Tar Heel crowd. I was at the Joel. I was watching this on a monitor waiting for Coach K and Danny Manning after the game. Danny Manning, a guest on today's show, and we'll get to the Deeks in a second. But there are Pack fans everywhere. Brandon Robinson, he's hurt again. 
That's something we see almost every game now. And we're just thinking, oh, well, this is what's happened with North Carolina all year long, except against NC State. NC State, they needed to win this game. They needed to win this game in order to stay on the right side of the bubble. I know Joe Lenardi, who's going to be with us tomorrow, still has NC State being a tournament team. It's not do or die, but now there's no room for error. They can lose to Duke. Sure, that game's in Durham. You're not going to lose any points. You're not going to lose credibility playing that game and falling. There's no shame in that in Cameron, but you better not lose at home against Wake Forest. You better not lose at home against Pittsburgh. The margin for error is completely erased now. NC State, they need to feel, they need to win three games in order to be, I think, in that conversation for an NCAA tournament bid. Beat Pitt, beat Wake Forest, win a game in Greensboro. They probably have to win four more games, assuming they lose to Duke, in order to feel very comfortable into the tournament. Really quickly before we get the way, let's go to Ed in Winston-Salem who wants it. First caller of the day. Let's make it a good one, Ed. What do you got? Yeah, well, uh, thank God for Garrison <laughs> Brooks last night because when they went up 10 to nothing, I said, oh, damn, not, not another one. And in the second half when they came out, had that five-point lead and um, stayed out, scored him 15-5. I thought, you know, once again, here we go again. But uh, Keeling had a real good game. And, and like I say, the, the Wolfpack should have won that game, to be uh, honest with you. They and, were better. And, and, and Carolina, you know, just continues to keep making bonehead mistakes and everything. And like you were talking before, it's going to be very difficult for them to uh, win four or five games in the uh, ACC tournament. And I'd like your comment. What do you think Duke's going to do on the follow-up against Virginia? Yeah, I'll let you know. Thanks for the call. Duke, they own Virginia. They should win. They're great bouncing back. We saw scary Duke come out when they played against Virginia Tech last Saturday, but that game was played in Cameron. The last four road games for this Duke team, they've been sluggish out of the gates. At BC, at North Carolina, at NC State, last night against Wake. I'll spend more time on the Blue Devils in about 10 minutes and tell you why this is a team I think is destined for a first weekend loss in the NCAA tournament. After that, Brendan Marks will join us from The Athletic, who is in Chapel Hill. But the Deeks. I feel so good for Garrison Brooks today because that guy's been through a lot. Injuries and, of course, the losses. Nobody's going to feel sorry for the Tar Heels, though, or any of their players. But when it comes to Wake Forest, Brandon Childress has been through a lot. And he was excellent in overtime after starting 0 for 10. I also feel very good for Danny Manning, who's a guest on today's show. Danny Manning, there are a lot of things you could criticize him about. None of his teams are good at playing defense. That's held true all of his six seasons. He's had some bad losses. He's only been to the NCAA tournament once. And that one time he went, it was a first four loss, which some Deke fans don't even count. However, there are three strengths I think we saw on display from Wake Forest that you got to give Danny Manning some credit for. Number one, He's a very good motivator. How often do you watch Wake Forest and think, oh, this team, they've quit. This team isn't expending effort. Never. Wake Forest, they always seem to play hard. 
They always try to get back into the games. They always are competitive at a certain stretch in the game. Now, I'm not trying to go all Jeff Bezdelic. If not for that 22-2 run, we would have been fill-in-the-blank close to Duke. But those players played incredibly hard at the end of that game when it would have been easy to say, yeah, it's just not our night. We're not hitting free throws. We missed 11 of these. And Brandon Childress, he doesn't have it going. Be chill himself. 0 for 10. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. We've never beaten Duke. I'm not hitting shots. That's a Coach K team. This isn't going to work out. Wake Forest didn't do that. They got back into the game. It's a testament to the players Danny has recruited, but also just Danny Manning himself. It's something I've pointed out many times amid criticisms of Danny that I think are fair. He's a very good motivator. Number two, he is a better recruiter than Jeff Bizdelic and Dean Gaudio. A better recruiter. He's brought in high-level players. DJ Turner, he's a Duke fan that works in our office. He had never been to Cameron Indoor Stadium before, and I was trying to motivate him. Hey, you need to go to Cameron and catch your Blue Devils. You need to watch him in person. You need that experience. And he said, you know what, Josh? I think I'm going to do that. And he finally went to his first Duke basketball game last November. It was the Stephen F. Austin game. 150 straight games Duke has won against a non-conference opponent, and they lose that one in overtime. Also, DJ, he wasn't sure if he was going to go last night. I'm like, hey, man, we got tickets. You should go to the game. Blue Devil fan, remember? He goes, and once again, overtime, and his Blue Devils lose. But what DJ came up to me yesterday, or excuse me, this morning, and said that stood out to me was, Wake Forest has players. Wake Forest, I don't watch a lot of Wake Forest, but they, they have talent. And I couldn't disagree with him. Johnny Brown was one of the best players on the floor last night. And Brandon Childress, he was overlooked. Look at some of the players Danny's brought in. Jalen Horde, high-level player. Higher level than anybody Dino Gaudio recruited in here, Jeff Bezdelic recruited in here. So you have to give him points there. Also, Danny, while he struggled to develop guards over years, he's great at developing post players. I think there's enough of a proven track record there. Devin Harris sticks out. John Collins sticks out. Olivier Saar played his best game as a Demon Deacon last night. Career high scoring. Odie Oguama, when Olivier fouled out in overtime, he had to be big, and guess what? He had a block shot, and then he had a bucket on the other end of the floor. That was very important for Wake. That was one of the most important things about last night. You want to talk about fouls? Duke had three big men foul out of the game. Vernon Carey, who only played 19 minutes. Javin Delorier fouled out of the game. Baby Admiral Justin Robinson fouled out of the game. Why do you think that is? I don't think it's officiating bias, as some want to point out. Coach K, I think, pointed it out pretty well last night. The interior defense wasn't good. The interior play wasn't good. Wake Forest was better in those spots. Olivier Saar, better than Vernon Carey last night. Odie Aguama, better there. Isaiah Musius, hitting two big foul shots after being 0 for 3 from the line going into overtime. So I give Wake Forest a lot of points. I give Danny Manning a lot of points. He showcased the strengths that he had as a coach 
as he beat Duke for the first time two weeks after he beat North Carolina for the first time, which means Virginia is the only ACC team that Danny has yet to beat, this being his sixth season. Coming up, why I expect Duke to be an early exit in the NCAA tournament. And it's not just because of last night. This is The Drive. A much, 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 much better, better, show, better show, better show. The Drive with Josh Graham. Man, we've got you covered from all angles. Big Four action in the ACC. Danny Manning, a guest on today's show. The unofficial mascot of Tar Heel basketball, BDOT, will be in studio in 15 minutes. I was at the Joel Coliseum for Wake Forest. Upset of top 10 ranked Duke. Brendan Marks, who joins us now from The Athletic, was at NC State, North Carolina. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Brendan R. Marks. Read his stuff, The Athletic Carolinas. He was writing a lot today, of course, about North Carolina's big win sweeping the season series from NC State. Let's do some finish the sentence here, Brendan, and we'll start with Garrison Brooks. If Garrison Brooks doesn't play last night, then UNC easily loses the game by double digits. Um, I mean, Garrison Brooks, one incredible statistic that, that I saw last night was in two games this year, Garrison Brooks has scored 55 points against NC State. Uh, Marcus Page in 2013-14 scored 50. Last season, Luke May scored 52. So, so Garrison Brooks has taken on that role of NC State slayer. Uh, and without him, I mean, I just don't see a way that UNC is reasonably winning this game. He was UNC's offensive fulcrum. Everything they did rotated around him. Uh, he had the energy plays. His toughness motivated everyone. Um, I mean, he was the difference in that game. NC State needs to do blank in order to make the NCAA tournament. Something in the ACC tournament. Um, honestly, I could probably fill in more there. They need to not lose to Pitt or to Wake at home uh, in the last few games of the regular season. But even just doing that and losing to Duke at Cameron, which I think is what we're all expecting to happen, uh, especially angry Duke now that they've lost again, <laughs> NC State's going to have to do something in, in the ACCs to make themselves stand out. I think right now they're still in that mix of teams. Uh, they, they had a little more separation before last night, and this sort of loss, now you have four losses on the season to UNC and Georgia Tech. And you lost to Boston College on the road. That doesn't sound like a tournament team to me, Josh. He's on Twitter at Brendan R. Marks. Read his stuff in the Athletic covering Duke, covering Carolina, and NC State gets mixed in that as well when you talk about the NC State NCAA tournament chances. Joe Lenardi, Joey Brackett's going to be a guest with us on tomorrow's show. But I wasn't there last night. There were a lot of interesting things I saw thrown around on social media in terms of comments that coaches and players had to say. What was the most interesting thing you heard? Uh, I, I think there's two that really stand out. One of them was from Cole Anthony, who was asked about, you know, what what is the reason you guys have been able to, to dominate NC State? What do you think of the rivalry? And he said, it's not really much of a rivalry if only one side is winning. Um, a lot of UNC players have mostly stayed away from that sort of talk, but, but Cole Anthony went there a little bit. Obviously, he did say, you know, ton of credit to NC State. Um, he really complimented Markel Johnson, said they had a lot of nice players. But right, I thought before, that we was get, interesting. before we get to the second part, the second quote then, well, what do you make of that? Because I, I, my belief of it's always been this. It doesn't really matter how much each side wins. I mean, the Joker doesn't beat Batman every single time. In fact, Batman crushes the Joker all these times. In Michigan, they've lost 15 of the last 16 against Ohio State. Nobody's saying that's a bad rivalry. I mean, what do you think of it? 
Right, no, I mean, I definitely think it's still a rivalry. I, as somebody who even went to North Carolina, uh, you know, I, I've always seen Duke and NC State and North Carolina, they're all rivals. Um, the proximity makes it so that they always will be. There are going to be seasons like this where North Carolina or Duke or NC State, I mean, there's there's going to be down years for everybody. There's going to be stretches where one team is beating up on the others. Um, but but I don't think that you can totally say that it's not a rivalry anymore. There was a stretch a long time ago, NC State won, I believe, you know, like 25 of, or 20, 25 games against the Tar Heels. So uh, it's just a different stretch, but, but definitely it, it's just a weird point of conversation. There's something of a big brother, little brother syndrome there. Yeah. Um, I, I was just surprised Cole Anthony got into it, seeing that this is his first and probably only game against the Wolves. Yeah, so that's the Cole Anthony quote. What was the other thing you heard that was interesting? The other thing that I thought was really interesting, and you know, Christian Keeling is is such a hopeful guy uh, for UNC, and he's finally starting to come into his own a little bit. But he he made two of four three pointers last night. One of his threes was actually a long two that was corrected back to a three. He said, "I didn't mean to shoot a three. I was trying not to shoot a three. Um, and in this age of analytics basketball, where the long two is basically considered the plague, for for someone to say that was just so strange to hear." Um, you know, he was obviously satisfied with the result, but it was just a weird thing. He knows that he's a mid-range guy. He said, that's my niche. That's where I feel most comfortable. Uh, and that's why he's developed into a player Carolina can really use coming down the stretch here. That's awesome, man. Great work from last night. Thanks for visiting with us, Brendan. It's appreciated. Yes, thanks, Josh. Got it. That's Brendan Marks on Twitter, at Brendan R. Marks. So I wasn't here yesterday. It was a big episode of The Bachelor on Monday. Uh, we're down to the final three, maybe the final two. B-Dot going to be in here. We're going to talk to him in a little less than 10 minutes. Sawyer Dillon, he's usually not in on the show on Wednesday, but he came in especially to talk about The Bachelor. Let's dive right in. It's The Bachelor Minute. So it's another ongoing, never-ending series of The Bachelor. Will Pete push the limits of what's acceptable on national TV? Um, yes. Is Pete here with the intentions of hooking up with as many of the contestants as possible? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or is it simply the free booze? Woohoo! Pete is on the clock. Welcome to the Bachelor Minute. This question is for the room, and it's the greatest hypothetical question I think that's presented every single Bachelor and Bachelorette season in all of reality television. In the fantasy suite round, and for those who don't know, intimate things happen in the fantasy suite. No cameras for 11 or 12 hours. But you don't really know who's going first, second, or third. Hypothetically speaking, would you like to be the first guy or girl that goes into the fantasy suite with the Bachelor or Bachelorette? Second or third? Robert Walsh. I think that's the easiest question you've ever asked. I want to go first. I'm not trying to get the slop. You know what I'm saying? You're going to go in there and you... But the lasting impression. That's important, right? uh, I don't know. Let me tell you one thing. It's a a competition, Robert. I'm a stallion, and I'm going to put on a show first, and you're going to remember the first and the worst, and I ain't the worst. Sawyer, first, second, or third? Uh, First, of course. Turn his microphone up. I can't hear him. I would go first, 100%. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to get the second. You got to leave that lasting impression on the very first time and set a standard. Aaron, first, second, or third? Got to go first, man. Got to go first. <laughs> I think I'm there with you. I think first is the move. And man, the producers, they converged on Madison. 
they made her a villain because, man, when you mess with the framework of the show, they're going to mess you up. Madison, she went to Peter after the rose ceremony before the sweets, fantasy sweet round started and said, you know, I, I'm saving myself and I, I take exception if you slept with any of the other women. I don't know if I can accept a proposal from you a week after I know you slept with other women. Which is a rational thought. So how do the Bachelor producers react? For the first time ever, usually the women get separate accommodations. No, they all are staying in the same place. Oh my God. So you know if the girl spends the night with Peter. Yeah. And what happens? Madison goes last. No. She goes third. See the squeaky wheel. So she knows that Victoria spent the night. Hannah Ann spent the night just savagery, a savagery, I can get that word right, by the Bachelor producers. The dates themselves were awful. Like, it's hard for me to really blame the Bachelor for this because there's no way they could know there would be awful, horrific wildfires in Australia. There's no reason for them to think there would be a tragic headline involving helicopters in the last month and change, but it just didn't look great on ABC that the great date between Hannah Ann and Peter was, let's take a helicopter and look at the beauty of Australia. Oh, my God. That's not what it was. No, that's exactly what it was. That's what it was. And then we have them climbing a tall building. That was Madison's date. Oh, yeah, the producers. They set these things up. What's Madison going to get? Oh, you get to climb a really tall building. It's going to look great for Instagram. The producers hate Madison, it is so obvious. And so, I mean, I called this halfway through the year. Victoria is the candidate that the contestant just wants to get to the fantasy suites and has no intent on having that person win. Madison is the person that's being groomed in order to look awesome throughout the year and is going to get knocked off at the end of the season, maybe end up being the bachelorette, which means Robert who got back into the game, is likely going to win with his sixth pick, Hannah Ann. I'm back, and I'm better than ever. My girlfriend is big on The Bachelor, Sarah Bradford, and she has inside information on Victoria. Would you like to hear the text yes, that I've received? Yes, of course. This is, this is verbatim. It's getting juicy. This came, she's from Virginia, and that's where uh, Victoria's from. Victoria's friends are friends with Victoria F's, Victoria has slept with four, all caps, four married men. What? No. She was friends with their wives before. She was a bridesmaid in one of their weddings. On top of that, she has three DUIs, and she has a speeding ticket on the way to court for one of those DUIs. She got into a bar fight with the girl who confronted Peter in last week's episode. This is happening while the show's going on last weekend, apparently. This was actually, you can find on social media, some of the reporting on this. And then she got in the shouting match, ran away, and locked herself into the bathroom uh, until police came. Wait, so she got in the bar fight as last week's episode was airing? After last week's episode. The Bachelor would be so much better if they would talk about her getting with dudes' husbands and DUIs. Well, this might... Allegedly. This is all allegedly. I'm, I'm doing that to protect us on the back end here. Do you have a hip-hop air horn that absolves us of any responsibility oh, in yeah, saying yeah. this is actual reporting? Cleanse our sins. Yeah, that's 
That's what we do around here. But that's uh, some of the hot goss that uh, Sarah Bradford be throwing around I here. I know. I'm almost for sure not out of the race yet. You guys saw Peter's mom crying, bring her home. That only can lead to one person, which is Madison. She's coming back. And you saw the one rose with Hannah Ann and Victoria at the end. Madison's coming back. Victoria's gone. The, the rumor's going to come out. I mean, it's, it's honestly an easy win for me. Well, maybe an easy win if, if we give Robert Hannah Ann. Wait, we already gave Robert Hannah Ann because... I'm back, and I'm better than ever. BDOT walked into the studio early. Let's cap this real quick. A different cap. <laughs> no, stop doing that. Closing thought on The Bachelor Minute belongs to you, BDOT. I am so glad that I missed this segment every time I come in here because I have no clue what you're talking about. But the initial conversation of first, second, and third, where I'm from, that's called the train. And you always go first in the train. (laughs) We had one of the more fascinating post-game conversations with Brandon Childress last night. Uh, We'll react to that sound when BDOT continues with us next on The Drive. Welcome to the show that cloned the Loch Ness Monster. And got her drunk. The Drive with Josh Graham. When you go through what I've been through, nobody believe I can play in this conference. But Coach Manny, my father, Coach Hall, Jay Bond, all those guys believed in me, my teammates. They believed in me. It was an emotional post-game interview as the floor was being stormed between Brandon Childress and Katie George of the ACC Network. Last night was Brandon Childress's signature moment as a Wake Forest Demon Deacon. It was so fitting that he started 0 for 10 shooting and shot himself out of a drought. He finished with 17 points. BDOT hanging out with us here in studio, the unofficial mascot of Tar Heel basketball. He will have his weekly address to the Tar Heel Nation in about 10 minutes. But you'll... I wrote a a book. You wrote a book Mm -hmm. for today? Yeah, for the Tar Heel Nation. All right. What a night for BDOT, watching Duke get beat by Brandon Childress and watching NC State get swept in the season series. So I think it actually makes more sense if you have the question I asked the Brandon Childress after the game. Just hearing how the exchange sounded when I brought up the fact that he missed his first 10 shots. Did you have any idea you were 0 for 10 before you hit that three? I don't care about percentages. I don't know if you noticed that throughout my career. I had 0 for 12 for Carolina last year. I was 0 for 6 for Duke. Uh, this year, I was 0 for 7 against uh, Penn State this year. Like, I'm satisfied with the shots I take. I practice those. Might not have went in as much as I like to, but I, f- I just wanted to find the right moments to take over the game, and, and I did that. Hold one second. Hmm. My question was, did you know you were 0 for 10, and you say you don't pay attention? Then you tell me yeah. what your stats were each and every one of those games? Yeah. That doesn't jive together there. I hate when he does that. I was talking to him this morning. He's on the air with us with the three live. And I'm like, yo, uh, what'd you finish with, like 17? He's like, I don't don't even remember. Yeah, right. P.S. you don't remember. (laughs) Yeah, right. You just rattled off all of your stats. Why do guys do that? In all these games. But, no, I think you got to be be chill, though. Because remember we had him on after they beat North Carolina. He gave us all the right politically correct answers the ambassador of weight, given all the right answers. He was awesome last night. Mm-hmm. His post game was great. And I don't know if you're going to want to take credit for B 
Beachill's performance and Wake Forest beating Duke last night. But you texted me after the game, said, "Yo, ask ask uh, Beachill what we talked about over dinner last weekend." I did that, and here's what uh, Childress had to say. B. basically told me, "Man, we can do it. You got to believe. You got to take over." You know, regardless of what goes on in the game, man, just find the right moment to, to take over the game. And I did that, and we came up victorious. Yeah, I did, I swear. We were at dinner um, Saturday after the Swarm game. And um, and I was just chopping. I was like, yo, y'all can beat Duke. And he was like, man, I'm like, bro, like, I'm telling you. I said, Shondi is is a mismatch. Olivier Saar has been playing huge in the, in the middle. Andrian's got to give you some buckets, and you have to take over. Like, this is your last time playing Duke. So when I got home last night, and I'm, I had I was late to watch the game, and I get there, and he's 0 for 10, JG, with one point, I immediately go on a tirade on Twitter. Like, what is he doing? Yeah. Like, everybody else is doing their part. What are you doing? And then he comes down and hits a three and goes crazy. I think he was waiting for me to start watching. I will not take credit because I was not with B. Chill when he was shooting in the gym. However... I have been super supportive of B. Chill. That is my little bro, and I'm so glad, like you said earlier, that he got a chance to finally get from under Randolph's shadow a little bit and have his own children's moment. If you're telling the Brandon Childress story, though, I think nepotism, it does play a part. I think you have to talk about that. Not saying it deserves credit at all. I'm somebody who played for my dad in high school, mm. and I, I remember how much of a feeling it sucked mm. when people questioned you being out on the field with who was coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that Brandon, he he noted a little bit last night. People say, oh, it's all about your dad and all these things. But nepotism just opens doors. I said this with Kyle Shanahan, who's the San Francisco 49ers head coach. Uh, it, it opens doors and opportunities that might not be there to other people. However, for you to last as long as Brandon's lasted in the ACC and perform the way he did against Duke, and for a coach to rely on you and trust you after starting 0 for 10, the way Danny Manning clearly trusted Brandon Childress, mm-hmm. that's not nepotism. That's that's somebody who's earned his opportunity. And like you said, he separated his legacy and some of the memories we've seen of Wake basketball from his dad. It happened against North Carolina, and it certainly happened against Duke last night. Pardon my ignorance, but I just need um, a definition of nepotism. Well, it's just the idea that you're... Uh, your name grants you opportunities. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like that is rite of passage type. Correct, that he might not be on Wake Forest if not for Randolph Childress being an assistant coach. That's definitely something that he's toyed with his whole career, just living in that shadow of Randolph Childress. And, of course, who Randolph Childress was to Wake Coach Forest. Coach K was calling him Randolph after yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I even asked Coach K. I was like, um, does I, I, so I guess Brandon reminds you a little bit <laughs> yeah. of, of Randolph? He had a great answer. Yeah, he said, uh, yeah. His dad would have scored in the first half. (laughs) But then he went on to say a lot of great things about Brandon. But Brandon even said after the game it was a low blow. But when you're talking about the story of Brandon Childress, I think it does play a role, the fact that Randolph is an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. There's just no question about it. But he is the one that's maximized the opportunity. He's the one that scored more than 1,000 points at Wake. Mm -hmm. He's the one that produced the 17 points last night. Mm -hmm. So that's... No longer something you could say, oh, he's only doing this because Randolph is his dad. No, it's it's Brandon Childress's moment. Agreed. That's what it is. He earned it. Yeah. And I said it was hands down Danny Manning's best win. I know it's recent it's recency bias at its finest. The Louisville game 
essentially was a play-in game into the NCAA tournament a few years ago. First four loss for Wake Forest a few years ago. I, Duke's different. Duke's different than Louisville. Of course. Okay? This Duke team ranked at the top 10. I know they don't have Donovan Mitchell or anybody who's going to be that good in the pros, I think. But Duke is different. But it's also, it's so also I, the way, I still think it's Danny's biggest win. I really do. But it's also the way he won that game, though, J.G. Like, they were up big. And then, of course, Duke does what Duke does, and they come back tied up at halftime. And then they go down 10 with, like, four minutes left in the game. And like you said, Rand, uh, uh, Brandon is, like, 0 for 10. You almost called him Randolph. I did. <laughs> Brandon is 0 for 10. So, usually, in a situation like that, Danny would have Brandon sitting beside him. But to have faith in him in those moments, like the, the, the players he played in the right moments – was just great coaching from Danny. But I told you that Brandon was awesome post game in a way he wasn't a few weeks ago. This might be the best of what Brandon had to say. You said that they were down by all those points. He hadn't scored at all. He was asked when he knew that Wake Forest was going to win the game. He said this. When I knew we had the game? Yeah. When we were down 10 and we went into timeout. You were down 10. We were down 10. <laughs> but like, I want to say it was four minutes left. And we were in the media timeout, and uh, and I looked at everyone. And remind you, I still have yet to score, and everyone just kept telling me, "Yo, be chill, take over the game." Now, in the back of my mind, I want you guys to put yourselves in my position. Okay, you're the starting point guard, you're the leading scorer of the team, you're 0 for 10, and you got guys telling you to, "Yo, take over the game." That just shows you the trust they have in me. So it's like, you know what? I got this, guys. Like, we're gonna do this together. Do you believe him? No, and I told him that this morning. Heck no, I don't believe you. No way you're down 10 to Duke and, you, and you're saying, oh. We, he said, yes, I do, Like, because I hadn't scored yet. I said, so what made you think you were about to turn it on right then? Like, you went 39 minutes with one point, bro. Like, stop playing. Yeah, right, B. Chill. But he said, he looked me dead in my face and said, yes, I'm telling you. I'm like, There's no way possible. He was like 10 minutes with three, I mean, 10 points with three minutes left is an eternity. And I said, that's true, but not against Duke and Coach K. Never beat him before. Never beat him before in your life. You're down 10, three minutes, and that's when you say, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to put on my cape. But you know what? He did, though. That quote is great for our radio purposes here. I'm glad he said it. Absolutely. I wish more players would say that. Yes. Like, hey, Kyle Shanahan. Or not Kyle Shanahan. Hey, Pat Mahomes, when did you know you were going to beat the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, about the moment we were down double digits in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That's when I knew. Yes, Aaron. Man got a track record of doing such things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that's when I knew. That's when I knew it was going to happen. All right. You said you had a book for Tar Heel Nation. Yeah. After North Carolina beat NC State last night, sweep of the seri uh, season series. I'm just going to go ahead and pass the reins off to you, BDOT, the well, unofficial mascot of Tar Heel basketball. It's a children's book because, of course, NC State are our sons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you have to read a children's book. And... <laughs> And I was sitting there, and I was looking at green eggs and ham, and I said, gosh, that's sort of like NC State fans, NC State and fans. And it goes something like this. <clears throat> we did not like you when Coach Godfrey was stealing loot. We do not like you in Coach Keith suits. <laughs> Whether y'all got Cat Barber or Dennis Smith, if we last in the conference or competing for a ship, I do not like NC State and fans. I do not like them, dot I am. Thank you. We'll beat them in the Dean Dome. We'll beat them at their home. We'll beat them here. We'll beat them there. We'll beat the Wolfpack anywhere. I do not like NC State and fans. I do not like them. 
dot I am. Wow. What are we titling this again? Um, NC State and fans. NC State and fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we do not like them. Dot I am. It felt so good to own y'all this season, NC State. Thank you for just being a confidence booster for what we're trying to do. And I like the run that we're about to go on. This is called the revenge run. Sawyer, he he wants you to pump the brakes a little bit. You're Sawyer does. The, you're putting the red nose on. No, no. And the clown this wig. Is, it's you're revenge. It on. Syracuse, up next. Going to smack him. Then we're going to go. Hey, listen. I'm telling you. Duke's on the list. Then we get to the ACC tournament. Oh, Wake Forest is back on the list next Tuesday. Got to get them in their face. Then we go to the ACC tournament, and every team that's beat us is going to be lined up. Boop, 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 boop. And if we we can just get Armando Baycott to come to the party. If we somebody send him an invitation to the party, because soon as he shows up, this thing is on, baby. Tar Heel Nation, finally! I think something clicked last night. Let's go! B dot thinks that North Carolina in the ACC tournament is going to be like Kill Bill, where they have like a list <laughs> yeah. of like yeah. people to go after here. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. We're going to come through smoking, man. You just watch it. Woo! Something's clicking now. They finally figured out how to close one last night, JG. You felt it. You felt it. Christian Keeling, AK. Hey, CK. My boy CK is coming through. CK, no Lewis, because he is no joke. Keeling's played great. He's played amazing. With the exception of Louisville, he, he's played pretty well. Hey, if we would have had um, uh, Garrison that game, we win that game. Just amazing, NC State. What a night. Oh, man. It was great. Leaving uh, Joel Coliseum and a great basketball game there just to go home. And ESPN has NC State North Carolina on. The game ends. And what are they showing? The first thing leading sports center, Duke and Wake Forest. Uh, there's, there's In the college basketball world, nobody has it like we have it. Sorry, Lexington. Sorry, Louisville. Sorry, whoever else wants to get into this debate. No, it's just nothing like ACC basketball. Uh here in the Big Four. You are listening to WSGS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WMFR High Point, WPCM Burlington. No signals picking up. Sports Hub Triad. We're hanging out here with BDOT. Danny Manning going to join us next hour. Wake Forest head basketball coach, of course. And his grammar lesson, BDOT's grammar lesson, mm -hmm. coming up. He may not be beautiful, and we do sit around all day and talk sports. And yes, Britt McHenry, we feel great about it. Do you feel good about your job? This is The Drive with Josh Graham. This segment was a roaring success a week ago. It is BDOT's grammar lesson, BDOT. The unofficial mascot of Tar Heel basketball alongside. And we've covered a lot of ground in a very short amount of time. We learned what loud meant mm -hmm. last week. And two weeks ago, cap. In the process, we learned what 12 was. Mm -hmm. As we had some a member of 12 call in Did. during the segment a week ago. Danny Manning might need to take notes on... From the grammar lessons as well. We'll get to that in just a bit. But the general concept of this segment is I'm Caucasian. I'm very white. Painfully. Yeah. And I'm somebody who covers sports as well, which is predominantly African-American. Should I say black or African-American? Black. Black, okay. Thanks. See, writing all this down. Yes, yeah. Aaron. Capitalized to be. Thank you. <laughs> Don't need to do that on radio, but <laughs> no, appreciate it. It's an 
Audible, capitalized B. Appreciate the thought there. First so <laughs> I just need to be better in those circumstances where I am conversing with people in their youth. and Urban. Yeah. Urban is the good word because the urban transcends any racial boundaries. Like urban is what it is. It's like just the urban vernacular right. that is used in a lot of locker rooms. And that, that is a in. problem. And that is a problem that some people have with the segment where they say, Josh, you're giving white people a bad name here. Yeah. Like Sawyer, he knows what all these terms mean. Definitely. Robert does as well. Facts. This is a Josh problem, yeah. not a white problem. Yes. Josh just yes. isn't urban enough. <laughs> yes. So that's why we need a segment here. Yes. It is called B Dot's Grammar Lesson. Rather than me continue to explain the segment, let's just dive right in. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. In high school, he didn't play sports, but he did wear a helmet. And just when you think it can't get any worse. My English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Damn. Thanks a lot. Next semester, I'll be 35. Josh is going to attempt to learn B-Dot's vernacular. I'm from the old school. I got a little street knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's time for B-Dot's Grammar School. JG, this is a word that has three letters, but also has three different meanings. See, that's the difficulty with the English jargon. Like, there are so many words like bear, bear and bear, or there, there and there, or two, two and two, or you and your. Like, they just suck because you don't know the correct meanings of them sometimes and how to write them. This one is easy to write, but three different definitions. The word for you today, Josh, is dub. D. U B dub. Now do you think you can give me the three definitions of dub? I know one of them for sure. Okay. Give me the one you know for sure. All right. Before we do that, 336-777-1600. If you think you know the definitions of dub, mm-hmm. we open the phone lines to you. Twelve listeners alike. Yes. Three three six seven seven seven. One six hundred. Actually, let me feel the room out very quick. Okay. How many people right now, Sawyer, Aaron, Robert, feel like you know all three of these definitions? Sawyer, Sawyer give me a number. Three. Yeah, all three. Aaron. All three without a doubt. Yeah, probably three. <laughs> <laughs> Josh okay. Graham, how many of the three do you think you know without a doubt? Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. I might need some help on this one. I, I know one. <laughs> I know one for sure. Okay. Getting a dub would be a win in a sport. Short for W. There we go. There we go. Getting a dub. Last night, Wake Forest got a big dub. <sighs> Carolina got a big dub over NC State. Yeah. That is correct. Mm-hmm. I'm really struggling here now. I'm trying to write things out. Like, I was never really a good student, so. Would you like a clue? Well, I got two to try and figure out right now, <laughs> you know, so, well, maybe sit this out. Just wait a second. Let it stew. Okay. And then we'll get to the phones. Okay. And see if they can lead me in the right direction. Okay. Gosh, you, you're going the second time officially with the imaging. We're doing this with three definitions yeah. for a word. Yeah. Like as soon as you said dub, I'm like, oh, I know it. Yeah. But then I thought. Three different definitions? It's just not a cool thing for you to do. Sorry. I think I think what everybody wants is me to just strike out on this more than anything else. So You're probably right. I think there are people that are probably rooting for you to fail on this. 
and they take a lot of joy. I mean, your car still has antlers on it and Christmas decorations, so just keep losing. Let's go to Mario, who's in Winston-Salem. Mario, oh, give me trade. a clue here. He knows. Oh, how you doing? Doing great. Can you help me out on Dub? Dub, yes. Actually, I think there might be four. Dub. Dub is like to copy. One can be to copy. You want to copy like something? To, to copy something. You dub it. No, 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 no. That's not, no. No, <laughs> absolutely not, Mario from Detroit. Absolutely not. Like right, to get dub. him out of here. That, that, I guess that is an accurate definition of dub, but not when you're using. That's not this. in the urban no, sense. No, not in. Not, that's that is not, something yeah. I that's was white thinking. Dub. That's a yeah. white dub. That, that's a white dub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, or, or we should say a caucastic dub. As a matter of fact, him saying that as a definition <laughs> is a dub. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's a dub for this segment, yeah. though. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 See what I did there. Danny Manning, he's going to join us in about one hour. And. I promise you, there's some sounds you need to hear when it comes to him and his urban vernacular that we learned about last night. We should night. get him on the show. All right, give, give me a clue. A clue. One um, definition of dub is a number. Oh, two? Uh-uh. Oh, man. A hundred? Uh-uh. Gosh, this is, this is terrible. Dub, like a number. Yes. Don't don't try to mouth things to me, Sawyer. I don't I don't <laughs> want. I'm not mouthing. I'm I don't mouthing. want you no to cheats. give me no the cheats. answer here. Yeah. Gosh, I if I said so can I get can I get a dub of loud or yo can you let me hold a dub or um it costs a dub, bro. You can go, but it costs a dub. What is the numerical number? What is the number? I think we're giving away too much here. Let's go to Murph. In Greensboro, Murph, I need a lot of help. What do you got on dub? Hey, beat, I just used it. Let me get a dub on Punk Five. Mm. What's that mean? Let me get a dub on Point on Punk Five. <laughs> it's real, bro. Hey, a dub on Point Five, a Punk Five will get you from Greensboro to Daggone Winston, man, real quick. Hey, Daddy, we <laughs> get him out of here. Yes, right, sir. Goes Murph. Yes, sir. And then if you got a dub allowed while you riding, this isn't God, helping me no. at all. I'm telling you. All right, give me a hit on the last definition of dub, and then I'll try to guess him. Okay, the last definition of dub. If I had to use it in a sentence, the guy who gave his definition of dub, that was a dub. I'll give you another sentence. In order for Carolina to make it to the NCAA tournament, they have to win out. And we all know that's a dub. Okay. Mm. I think I think I'm gonna go try and go three for three here. Here we go, right, Jay. Knock it out. We ready? Here we go. First definition, dub is a win. Correct. Short for win. W and win. Secondly, the I'm gonna go with the one you just had there. A dub might mean. That it's something that's not gonna happen. Absolutely correct. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, that's a, a dub. It's a dub. Yeah, that's a dub. That's not gonna not happen. Not gonna happen. That's this a makes dub. no sense to me whatsoever. It yes. seems those two are completely <laughs> contradictory yeah. Yeah. of each other. Yeah. And lastly, <laughs> yeah. a dub in terms of value. <sighs> I'm gonna say a dub is worth. Two chickens and milk? <laughs> this dude said two chickens oh, and milk. Oh no! Oh no! 
Yeah. Sawyer. Two chickens and milk is going to get you to. Two what is it? and milk. Sawyer, can you what? please let him know what the number for dub is? We said a dub would get you from Greensboro and Winston, and this guy said two chickens and milk. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's ridiculous. A dub is 20. If somebody gets dubbed, they got beat by twenty. If somebody gets twenty uh, dub on on pump five, they got twenty dollars on pump five. A dub is twenty. <laughs> Let me come pick up a dub. See, <laughs> okay. Especially the dub allows. We're it's learning. 20. We're learning a lot today. Let's get to this Danny Manning sound before we let <laughs> B dot go. This is uh, Danny describing the post game locker room for the Deeks after beating Duke. Fun, excited. Um, you know, a lot of guys. I mean, everybody was was as, as the young guys said. Now they were lit. He would have been fine if he wouldn't have led off with, as the young guys say now, take that line out and you can say they were lit. That's accurate. They were lit in there. They went crazy. B. Chilling was lit on the court. I want to ask Danny about this when he joins us at 530. I don't think I'm going to ask him what a dub is, even though they got one last night. They did. And I bet you if you asked him, he'd be like, yeah, we got a dub. B. Chill almost gave us a dub. I I need to figure out a way to tease this next segment. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> using. Dub. Oh, my gosh. You're making this incredibly hard. You got three different ways you can use it. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to use them all. <laughs> Are you trying to use all three at once? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this should be fine. Don't do that. Get the buzzers ready. <laughs> Just get one. <laughs> yeah. My buzzers are so ready. <laughs> Give me, give me a second. Talk amongst yourselves. How'd you think you did today? Uh, the chicken thing, man, that's failing. Did that set him back? Yeah. yeah he went lot. two for three, though, guys. He, I, I think we're giving away too much information, Doc. I think, think he, so? he really went he one He does for need some like help, One and a half though. out of three. Like, you said, obviously, that what that guy said was a dub, and he still couldn't get it. I feel like we're talking about our child. Like, do we, Should we put him in some concentrated help? Or yeah. Should we, like, <laughs> <laughs> concentrated <laughs> help. Now, Aaron, why do you think I'm giving him too much help, bro? I don't know, man, because these, these are things we use to get away with stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh. We can talk amongst ourselves and just have a whole conversation. Nobody knows what just happened. Do you think I'm good. giving away too much information? Giving away in too much segment? information, hey. We need to give him a tertiary level of information. Like, don't yeah. let him get too deep into yeah, it. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. And right. the way he's sitting here writing like he's in a courtroom. Okay. <laughs> stenographer. Are we ready? B dot. Thanks for being here, by the no way. No doubt. Thanks for having me. This man. is a tease for what we have coming up. In terms of millions, Cam Newton makes a dub. In the NFC Championship five years ago, that was a dub. But Matt Rule says he's going to return to the Panthers. Man, that's a dub. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah! <laughs> this is the drive. Yeah. <laughs>